Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Kelly Green Hour. We are two weeks away from the Philadelphia Eagles kicking off the 2021 NFL season in Atlanta against the Falcons. We cannot wait. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor, Donald Connor. We're getting ever so so close to the regular season getting here. We're finally done with the preseason like, coming in, we were excited, but, you know, preseason football is preseason football, especially when none of the starters play any relevant snaps. But we're, we're getting there. Slowly but surely, we'll be at the regular season action. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, we get excited, and then we're like, look, I can't wait to see this guy and that guy on the field. And then we see the second stringers. We're like, that's ah, not bad. Then you see the third stringers and getting their crap beat out of them and just playing like, you know, your high school football team. And you're sitting there and you're like, why was I excited for this again? But it's just the idea of football being back. College football, meaningful college football was back yesterday. And the NFL will be back in two weeks. So you just got to love this time of year. Definitely. Uh, watching college game day yesterday. I-, I love being able to wake up on a Saturday morning, put that on. Um, watch Kirk Herbstreit and the guys, Desmond Howard, uh, Lee Corso. Uh, watch them, you know, do their thing for three hours leading up into college football. I cannot wait. Uh, there are big games this upcoming weekend um, on, on the college ranks, Alabama and Miami. Um, that's one that I'm obviously looking forward to being a Bama fan. So I'm excited. I can't wait. But let's let's talk Eagles football as usual. Um, and speaking of third string guys that aren't on the team or shouldn't be on the team, Nick Mullins got canned yesterday after the Eagles made a surprising trade. The, they traded a conditional sixth-round pick, which be, can become a fifth-round pick if quarterback Gardner Minshew plays 50% of the snaps in three games. When I saw that report come across, I was shocked. Like, look, I had a feeling that the Eagles were going to be looking for a quarterback potentially a project quarterback to stash on the practice squad to, to, you know, groom like a Jamie Newman, who we thought was going to be here. Obviously, obviously that didn't work out when they picked him up um, as an undrafted free agent. But when that, that report came across that they traded for Gardner Minshew at first, I, I was, I was intrigued right away because a Nick Mullins sucks. Nick Mullins is terrible. Nick Mullins should never see an NFL field. He was awful this preseason. For the Eagles, yes, he was playing behind third, you know, second and third string uh, offensive linemen. But you were also playing against second and third string, uh, you know, defensive players for the opposing team. He just looked awful. He looked like he shouldn't have been on the football field. And Joe Flacco against the Patriots looked really bad. But then against the the Jets, and again, it's the Jets. But you know, he he looked good. So bringing in a Gardner Minshew, I have no issue with it. You see people like the ESPs of the world go, it's a mistake. They shouldn't invest a roster spot in a third-string quarterback. Let's look at it this way. We know Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. It hasn't been announced, but let's be real. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. There's a 17-game season, and the type of quarterback that Jalen Hurts is, where he likes to move around, he's going to run, the potential of getting hurt is there. I'm not saying he's going to, but that potential is there. If he can, or if he were, to get hurt, behind him, you have Joe Flacco, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, uh, who, yes, he's up there, older in age, but I'm skeptical. Yeah, we know they gave him, guaranteed him three and a half mil, which was a mistake, but I'm still skeptical of him 
But you have another quarterback in Garner Mitchell who, you know, is going to start off as the third string quarterback to learn the offense. But if we get down to the second half of the season and you need to put somebody in there, I have more faith in Gardner Minshew if he can learn this offense going in there. We saw what he did in Jacksonville. He has a winning record. He's, you know, somebody that has won games in the NFL. And I think having that security blanket if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, if Jalen Hurts doesn't show that he could be a franchise quarterback and can't, and, and can't play at the NFL level, you have a quarterback who has won in this league who can, if, if he can learn the offense, who can go out there and be a starting quarterback for you. Yeah, I definitely agree on, on all of those things. And you can also build a, a similar offense as exactly. the Jalen Hurts offense into a Gardner Minshew playbook. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have to shift the offense all that much. He's under contract, under team control for the next three years. The next two of them under a million dollars. And then after that, just over a million dollars, which, as we know, is is really cheap from a backup quarterback standpoint, because this like I posted on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter page, this opens up the possibility to have the cheap backup option for the next two years. And Flacco is the one year, you know, you fully guaranteed his contract. Uh, so you're likely just going to keep him around for the the leadership um, to help Jalen Hurts make the transition from, you know, backup moving into starter to full-time starter and really giving him the full plethora of of players at his disposal, or at least like good role models at his disposal. Um, because as much as we may not like Joe Flacco from a, a player standpoint, or as much as we may not like the signing, he is a good leader. He is someone that you want in your locker room, especially when you're shifting the culture, like the culture that the Philadelphia Eagles have had over the years and the deteriorating culture and all the rumors and people talking behind people's backs. Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew are two guys you really want to have in that room with Jalen Hurts, I think. And and I mean, I get what I, I understand what ESP was saying, but to the same point, it's like you how often are we hitting on sixth round picks? How often do you get the opportunity to pay a backup quarterback less than a million and just over a million dollars for three seasons with this type of play, this type of playing experience, NFL experience? Obviously. And then he kind of in that in that piece that he wrote, he kind of assumed maybe there's something more with Deshaun Watson, although we're going to get into that, not looking less and less likely that that's even going to happen now. Um, I don't think the move was ever made with any ill intent at sabotaging Jalen Hurts as a starter, like some people are attempting to imply. I think it has every intent to say. We have been sabotaged by the quarterback position and injuries and issues with the quarterback position for years now. And this is just a way of, you know, you're going to keep three quarterbacks. How can we keep that third quarterback as cheap as possible and keep him under team control for as long as possible as well? If the, if the Eagles do one thing, they prioritize the quarterback position. It meant when they signed Nick Foles back before the 2017 season, you know, that was if Carson, if something were to happen to Carson Wentz, we have somebody who started in this league who's successful in this league, and that's what happened, and they won a Super Bowl. You know, the next year, Carson Wentz got hurt again, and Nick Foles came in and led them to a playoff, led them to the playoffs and um, close to beating the Saints in the divisional round. So if you if you think about it, the Eagles are, are being smart. You know, 
Mm-hmm. What the potential of them possibly carrying before this trade carrying three quarterbacks is probably slim. But now it's almost guaranteed that look, they're going to carry three quarterbacks. And as you mentioned, the, Flacco is only on a one-year deal, and he comes off the books. You will have two quarterbacks that are not making a lot of money that are going that you could spend with all this cap room that they're going to have if Joe if Jalen Hurts can prove to be a, a, a franchise caliber quarterback, you know, and you can have Minshew as your backup. You could spend that money that you're not putting into the quarterback position because you're not going to be paying Carson Wentz anymore like you are this year. You won't have that $3.5 million on Flacco. You'd be able to go and get maybe another cornerback, get some offensive linemen, um, get some a linebacker if they decide to actually pay a linebacker, um, replenish the depth on the defensive line with some of the older guys. Like You will be able to go out and spend money at other positions. Give money to Dallas Goddard if you want to re-sign him. Give money um, to – you know, a, a Joshua or a Derek Barnett, if that's what you're so inclined to do, that's what the Eagles will be able to do. And it's smart. Like you have to think outside the box here. You can't just be so one-sided that, or, or so blindsided by like, Oh, they don't have any trust in, they made this move because they don't have trust in Jalen hurts. Like a Ryan Clark thinks or something like that. But no, the, the Eagles are being smart. They've always prioritized the quarterback position. It's a, it's a longer season than it's ever been. 17 games, you know the type of quarterback that you have starting for you, the potential, and again, I'm not saying he's going to get hurt, but that potential is there. And if that potential is there, you want to have the best backup backup option available. And Gardner Minshew has the potential to be the best backup quarterback in the league. Absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, I think the Philadelphia media has to stop assuming there's ill intent with every move made at the quarterback position. It just feels like they just like Howie is out there to constantly sabotage a quarterback position when really he's just trying to make sure he's got the support there. He's got good leaders. He's got good, you know, character people uh, in his quarterback room to all support each other and all help each other. Look at the difference Josh McCown made when he was in town mm-hmm. and he didn't even have to play, but look at the difference he town. made in that room. Yeah. Like Josh McCown didn't even have to be in, in Philly. <laughs> like he, exactly. He could just zoom. Last year before he got picked up by the, the Texans, he could just zoom in. Like he didn't even need to be in, in the area for him to, to be a, to be somebody that could be helpful in that quarterback room and how he would not be doing his job if he wasn't going out there and turning over every stone, doing his due diligence and all, you know, at every position, but primarily the quarterback position, you know, he would be doing a dis- disservice to the team. So like, I had no issue with him looking into a Deshaun Watson, you know, checking on everything that's happening with that situation and even making if if Watson, which we're going to get into, doesn't want to come here, fine, so be it. But you can't blame Howie. And again, I'm not the biggest Howie fan, but th- I'm going to give him credit here. You can't blame him for not looking into it. You want to make your team the best possible team out there. You have to turn over every stone, and that's what he's doing in the quarterback room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't be a good manager if you weren't looking at the starters, the depth, 
the people behind the starters. You know, you can't always just look at the starters and be like, well, there must be a purpose to this move that has this guy getting to be a starter or something. No, that that's not the intent of every move. And I thought that this was a really good move. And I think that we had talked about it or it had been tweeted earlier in the year by lots of people that Gardner Minshew was somebody to look at. And for a conditional sixth that without injury won't become that fifth, that's nothing. And even for a fifth, that's nothing. I, I think that it's just a cheap move. It's a smart move. And it means that when Flacco's contract is up, we don't have to bring him back, especially if he's going to have to come back at a similar price tag like he did this year. And we have a cheap alternative at the backup quarterback position who is also who also can have a very similar offense to that of our starting quarterback. Exactly. And again, I don't the the Jaguars front office is still perplexing to me. Like they could have held out until after this weekend and probably got more than a conditional six round pick. Yeah, and you can wait there. for injuries. Like you, you, you know can, they're going to happen. Look at J.K. Dobbins. Look at Cam mm-hmm. Akers. Look at the quarter, the running back position right now. Look at players just going down in general. It happens, and it's constantly going to happen. And I feel like even if you can't get the right deal done now, that guy's got that experience. You know, that's a really good guy to hold on to until the time is right and somebody knocks and gives you the right price. Why rush to move a backup quarterback? when you know how often they move around and how often teams are are trying to find that cheap alternative and then how often quarterback injuries happen as well. Exactly. I mean, if you, if you talk to Cowboy fans, you think they would rather have Garner Minshew or Cooper Rush, Ben DiNucci, like look at the the difference between the backup quarterbacks between the Eagles and, and then it's a no brainer. I would rather have Garner Minshew. Um, there, there are maybe one or two other backup quarterbacks. Like, obviously, you don't really want to know who your backup quarterback is. Like, who's the page, who's the um, Chiefs backup quarterback? I can't even. Is it Shane Bouchelle? Like, and I only yeah, know that because it they looks like him right now. They played. I think they played yesterday, and and he was in the game watching it. Like, you, if you, you do you know who Tom Brady's quarterback is or backup quarterback is in? Is it Gabbert? Is he still there? Like, or Kyle Trask or somebody. Yeah. So if, if just you don't want to know who the backup quarterback. And obviously Philly's a different town. Like we love our backup quarterbacks. We, we you know, Jeff Garcia, AJ Feely, Nick Foles, uh, Michael Vick. You know, for for a time, like the backup quarterback is the most popular player in Philly. So Gardner Minshew, who. who from all by all accounts, just seeing like all the videos that 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 would get out when he was in Cleveland or excuse me in Jacksonville, he seems like a very likable guy, and you know maybe he could help him and Andre Dillard are apparently really close too. Maybe he could just help Dillard somehow, some way, get his head on straight if the Eagles don't trade him, like find a way to get him back to being why he was a first round pick. And if that if 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 he even does that, it's going to be worth the sixth round pick that we gave up. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, you can never address positions too much. Mm -hmm. I think in this league, you can never have too many talented or NFL experienced offensive linemen, wide receivers, quarterbacks, whatever you name it. It never hurts to have that experience. It never hurts to have that character. And I think that's the big thing. I think Character probably played a massive role in this because of the shift in the culture that's happening in amongst the Eagles with Nick Sirianni in town, 
new offense, new coaching staff, new everything you want, character players who are going to help make your job easier, not make your job harder, like it seemed like a lot of players were making with Doug Peterson and the culture there. Definitely. Now, the other report, big report that came out, um, has come out this weekend is Deshaun Watson. While there have been conflicting reports there that he was close to being traded, but there were two teams on the on the forefront of the trades, the Miami Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers. Deshaun Watson has said that he would not waive his no trade clause to come to the Eagles. But if he really wanted out of out of the Texans, if he really wanted out of Houston and say the Eagles were the only team giving up something, I'm sure that he would accept it. But you know, I don't I don't foresee that happening now. Um, but you know, what are, what are your thoughts, Connor? Like the, the Texans apparently don't want Tua back if he goes to Miami. And they're looking for three first-round picks and two second-round picks. That's a hell of a haul. They're not going to get that. They must be crazy to think that they're going to they're gonna get that, um, especially with all the things that are going down with Deshaun Watson right now. Um, any team that would give that type of capital up is insane, and their brain trust should be fired right away. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, your thoughts on Watson not wanting to come into the Eagles, and will we see a move this week? Will we see a move within the next – two weeks before the season gets underway. I think things have to really clear up. And, you know, we, we've we talked about this on a few past episodes, and I'm one of the strong proponents. And I don't think, and I and we went back and forth on it, I don't think we're Deshaun Watson away from becoming a contender. When you mm-hmm. think about how much you have to give up, three first and two second rounders, um, even if you get to keep your backup quarterback or whatever, that is a massive haul and your team has to be set at literally every position except quarterback to make that mm-hmm. move. You have to be 100% confident that that move is being made. I understand the contract's already in place and stuff, so you don't have to pay the guy and all this stuff. But the situation has to clear up a lot more first. There are still potentially criminal offenses that are being looked into and the decisions being decided on those within the next week or two, if they're going to carry forth a criminal investigation and uh, carry forth criminal charges against him. That's a huge thing that has to clear up because that's the massive thing the NFL is waiting on. Because if it comes out that these are criminal charges and they choose, say they're okay with going forward with it, he will be on the commissioner's exempt list. There will be no sign of him playing in the NFL anytime soon. So that is the biggest thing that has to clear up first. Otherwise, definitely way out on the investment. Anyways, I'm way out on the investment in the first place. Anyways, imagine what you could get with three firsts. Our aging defensive line, certain positions on our offensive line that are getting older. The CB1 position, I get Darius Slay's there, but he's not getting younger with every day that passes. You need to prepare for the future without Darius Slay. What about the safety position? What about, you know, there's so many positions you could be addressing in Philadelphia with three first-round picks. And I feel like Jalen Hurts has the skill. I feel like Jalen Hurts can be the guy. I feel like, you know... If they don't want to take players and all they want back in picks is that's got to be the thing to me as a GM that I would just be saying no to because you can't name many teams that are exactly all there that can say we are a Deshaun Watson away from a championship except for teams that already have those players in place. You know, in Tennessee, you have Ryan Tannehill. They're comfortable with that. In in Green Bay, you got. Aaron Rodgers in Tampa Bay, you got Tom Brady, those teams that can say confidently that they're set 
the LA Rams, even with Matt Stafford. Now those teams that can say they're pretty set and they think that they can make the run this year, they're comfortable with almost every position top to bottom already have their quarterback. I don't think as any of these teams looking into Deshaun Watson, that making the move makes sense, especially like, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sold even on like a team like Miami and going in on that. I feel like they've done such a good job at building with the picks, the money and free agency. I just feel like it would be a huge disservice to Tua not to give him a chance where you invested the pick in him and they don't want to take Tua back in a return package. You wasted your pick on Tua then. And then you're mm-hmm. going to reinvest multiple firsts into Sean Watson. Like, it's just weird to me. I just, as a team, everything would have to be 100% cleared. He um, would have to be like, the criminal charge is not happening. The NFL done with their investigation. He settles with these people before I ever made a deal. Because then you know it will be in the past. It's done. It's over. Otherwise, I would never invest that heavily in him. I just couldn't. I get that people make the point. But you invest him for the future in the position. What future? When? What if there's criminal charges that drag on? We know how the court process works. What if it drags on for two years, three years, four years? You never see a return on investment until the guy's almost 30 years old. And the Dolphins traded us the first round pick. Uh, when they traded up to to get Jalen Waddle, so like they're they're while they have a bunch of assets from that the Houston trade earlier, um, when when they they traded Larry Laramie Tunsil and uh, uh, who's the receiver I, I can't remember off the Kenny top Stills, of my head. Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills, yeah, like they they traded a bunch of capital for them and, and got a couple of first round picks down the road. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens, but. Um, I'm I'm kind of shocked that he wouldn't want to come come to the Eagles, and I'm I'm sure that the Texans would much rather trade him to an NFC team. Again, the Panthers having the opportunity, um, also being a part of that, but would rather trade him to an NFC team than an AFC team because they could see him a lot more recently and, and a lot more often than than they would if they sent him to an NFC team. But we'll see how how that goes and what the situation is. Um, obviously. Anything can happen between now and, you know, the, the start of the season in two weeks, whether it's on the legal front for the for Deshaun Watson or whether on a trade front uh, for, for the Texans and whoever they decide to do a deal with. Yeah, no, definitely. It'll definitely be interesting to see. There's just so many moving pieces, mm-hmm. and I think that's why teams are so hesitant to invest the way, the amount that they want, because it's like, what if we make this trade and they rule that there is a criminal case there? And then you may never see a return on investment because Deshaun Watson could be walking himself into a jail cell in two, three, mm-hmm. four years. But criminal cases just take so long and they drag out forever. They're probably worse than civil cases. Um, but if you hurt, if they say dismiss the charges from a criminal perspective, if they continue to work on settling the case, if the NFL says we will, will not put him on the the uh, exempt list, I'm a, I'd be skeptical to still invest that type of return because that just feels like so much future capital to give up and stuff and i i don't know i don't know but we'll definitely see i'm definitely interested to see how it unfolds but me as an eagles fan i'm actually happy that he is not willing to wave and come here because i don't think that if we gave up all that capital that a super bowl was coming our way with deshaun watson here yeah, I mean, you're right. They're not a quarterback away. But I, I just 
again, I've always been under the the from a football perspective, if you can get a top five quarterback, if you're mm-hmm. able to find a way to get one, you do it because the quarterback can definitely make a difference. Um, you know, we'll we'll use this as an example, and I hate to, even though they weren't winning with him, like you saw Dak Prescott Prescott with Dallas last year. Before he got hurt, they were putting up a bunch of numbers, and their defense was all god awful. So, so that wasn't helping them. But when he went out, like the quarterback play was atrocious, and having a legit starting quarterback makes a world of difference in just even the emotion or just even the confidence you have going into any game. Um, so again, and I'm not saying I'm not confident with Jalen Hurts because I am confident confident with Jalen Hurts. Do I wish he played more than 10 snaps this preseason? Yes. Um, so like, hopefully he doesn't have a slow start in, um, you know, in Atlanta. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things go forward with with from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective. And again, we have the backup quarterbacks in Minshew and Flacco if things were to go bad with uh, Hurts. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean. To, for me, it's like, let's give Jalen Hurts a chance. Let's see. That's why I would be, even if there's like bidding wars going on for Deshaun Watson, I don't think I'd be in a rush for it because the ability to be able to take those potentially call it five picks that they want in return and start putting names to those. Say you look at a mock draft and you start putting names to these num these numbers and these these draft picks. I feel like you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I kind of look, I like how this team's unfolding because suddenly you're addressing three to five positions and you're getting all these different players in place, potentially depth pieces, potentially future franchise players. You're getting all these pieces in place or you're getting Deshaun Watson. And to me, it's just to, to be able to put all the puzzle pieces together and see this, these types of players' names instead of just Deshaun Watson is huge because as you know, I mean, so let me, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate while you could potentially get uh pro ball star, you know, type of players with those draft picks. You can get a Danny Watkins. You can get a, um, Jamarcus agreed. Agreed. Russell, you can definitely, you like, miss a hundred percent. You definitely can miss. And if there's any fan base that knows best, it's Philadelphia with Howie Roseman that we can, that you can certainly miss on those picks. But I mean, you Marcus could even Smith. take, you could even take that and flip it into one first can turn into another star caliber player. Like if you're that desperate to address those types of needs, there's so many more needs you can address by flipping that first into a player, a singular first. Or a player in a first instead of the multitude of picks that you'd have to give up. It's just it's a crazy thing to think about. It is so much investment and so much uncertainty right now. It is. I agree. I'm just, I just wanted to play devil's advocate there. Um, so let's. The, we're two days away from the Eagles having to cut down, or from not just the Eagles, NFL teams having to cut their rosters down to 53 before they can um, put a practice squad together. And again, the same rules apply as last year for the practice squad. Like you can protect, I think it was three players um, for COVID cases. You, you know, you could call up and the players and whatnot. So I actually like that rule. Um, you can be, you, you can only, or you can take somebody off the IR if I think place in the season after like three weeks or something. I forget what the rule is, honestly. But whatever the, the rules that were in place last year, I'm actually a fan of, and I hope they keep them um, long term. Keep. Keep and keeping all the, you know, this this was a 16. I think it's a 16 man player practice squad now. Like keeping all that. Mm-hmm. 
I think that is something the NFL should keep. Um, but today, uh, this morning, excuse me, the Eagles started making their cuts. They waived tight end Kerry Angeline, defensive end Jaquan, Jaquan Bailey, running back Elijah Holyfield, who I think might be back on the practice squad, wide receiver Mark and Michelle, and linebacker Rashad Smith. Um, so the Eagles are now down to 75. They have to make 22 cuts. Now, with this trade of Gardner Minshew, they're going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster unless a team takes Joe Flacco, which I highly doubt is going to happen. But if that happens, it would be amazing. And I think Howie would deserve a ton of credit if he's able to make that trade. But if the um, if the Eagles are going to keep excuse me three quarterbacks, that means somebody from a different position, running back, wide receiver, defensive line, um, safety, who knows. If, if they're going to the, – Another position is going to be effect, affected. Who do you think, or what position do you think is going to be most affected by the Eagles keeping three quarterbacks on the roster? I think wide receiver. Personally, <laughs> I originally pegged them at having six, but now the rumor about Travis Fulgham and JJ Ortega Whiteside and the fact that, you know, JJ might make it over Fulgham because Fulgham, in reality, has had a pretty disappointing camp in his preseason performances. The being the fact that he was one of the wide receivers who probably played the most mm-hmm. on the field during the preseason, the fact that he did almost nothing, he was rarely targeted, goes to show something. He probably wasn't creating separation. He probably wasn't getting open. He probably wasn't making himself a good target for the quarterback. And it's not like Joe Flacco. I mean, Nick Mullins <laughs> wasn't great, but it's not like Joe Flacco had a terrible preseason. Mm-hmm. He he was finding open targets. He was doing his job. He was looking the part of a, ba- a decent backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, but I mean, when you look around, you know, you're keeping three tight ends. You're probably keeping Ertz, Scott or Rogers. You're probably keeping four running backs. I got Sanders, Gainwell, Scott <laughs> and Howard. Um, well, wait, going back to the tight ends. What do they do with Tyree Jackson? They don't want to put him on IR because then he's done for the year. And I don't know if even if they release him, if they would be able to sneak him I back actually on the think squad. I actually think it's a good idea for them to put him on the IR. I I don't and I not think let that him play he needs year? I think he needs more time to refine his tight end game. He was looking good, but like he caught the ball in his body too much and stuff. Like there was some things that he definitely needs to work on. And I don't think coming back from an injury and going right out onto the field as the third or the fourth tight end option is is the way to go with him. I think this is a situation similar to that of Jordan Mailata. Another you you saw what you got. You know, there's reason to keep him around. You know you can't put him on the practice squad. You you know you can't wave him. He's not going to make it through you got I feel like you have to do the IR because then the tight end situation clears up because Ertz will likely be out of the picture next year Richard Rogers you don't know you don't know about what's going to happen there um Dallas Goddard's the only sure thing that's going to be on as a tight end next year I see no reason not to give him the Jordan Mylotta treatment this year give him the IR designation then you know he can come back he can kind of you you can work on things outside of what the NFL can see and hopefully next season he can come in and be a tight end too for this team. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, it'll be interesting to see. I think that they, they might, they, they might go with four tight ends, which would also take a spot from somebody else because after mm-hmm. they, they do their 53 man, then they can put them on IR and then he could come back and play later in the year. So I think that's what they might lean towards doing, but 
we'll obviously see over the next. There's definitely years. some other things like like you said that come up there, like Landon Dickerson. What are you doing with Landon Dickerson? Are you gonna IR him? Are you gonna let him redshirt this year? It really doesn't sound like they want to. Like they want to. Yeah. Exactly. And then same situation with Tyree Jackson. I just think when you look at how the wide receivers performed, I only see reason to keep five. I don't see reason to give Hightower another chance. I don't see reason to keep Travis. Oh, and I'm not, well, I'm not buying into JJ Ortega-Whiteside either. I'm not. I'm not buying into him, but I mean, you can't go in with four wide receivers. That's my thing. I don't think he should make the team. I think that what they should do is there's going to be a cut, a receiver cut somewhere that we're not really anticipating. um, And and they should bring in a vet, you know, it'll, (coughs) excuse me, Devontae Smith, Rager, uh, Jalen Rager, um, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, and I, I think would bring Ward in, makes it. And I would bring in a vet, and there's your five. I, I don't think Ortega White. I, I didn't buy into. Look, yeah, he had he's had a great camp, but I don't. I, I'm not buying into that transitioning or, or transitioning over to the regular season. He had that catch against the Jets. I'm not buying that transition. Can he do that against a legit number one corner? I don't think so. Um, the good thing so, with J.J. Ortega Whiteside, though, is he'll never play a legit number one corner. There's always going to be Jalen Reger or Devonta Smith or you, somebody you that they want to put the number one on. Hope, you hope that there is a Devonta Smith and a Jalen and, Reger. And I think, like, people often overstate, like, J.J. Ortega Whiteside, say he makes a roster. This man is not a 50, 7,500 target player man this is like a guy who's going to get 25 targets if that because of the importance of the tight end position the importance of miles sanders kenneth gainwell boston scott the importance of these other players to this offense and how limited they actually target the wide receiver position is crazy i think the tight ends and running backs are way more important than the wide receivers minus devonta smith i know jalen Rager is great camp and i get the hype behind jalen Rager, but like you are not i see no way we have two 100 target wide receivers no way i agree with that i just i'm not buying into to to the the jj ortega white side hype if you can scheme them in if you can figure out ways to scheme them in and like get them targets or he somehow gets open he can be the guy you target i mean go ahead like i'm keeping him over fulgham at this point fulgham gave us what the two three game stretch and since then nothing to end the season Nothing in training well, camp. Know, nothing in preseason. So he had a night. He had a really good. He was the the top the top receiver in the NFL for a five week stretch. And I'm and and that and that was it was good to see. And and then Alshon came back and they inexplicably played Alshon over him. Mm-hmm. And and again that maybe that was practice habits or them just because they're paying all that money to Alshon. Who knows? And yeah, I get it. He had he hasn't had a a big a, a good camp. But like, and I'm not saying. That I would keep Fulgham over Ortega Whiteside. I am bringing in a veteran receiver. I'm there's again there's going to be a cut over the next 48 to what, are, what is it 11, 48 to to 54 53 54 hours and that you're going to be like well oh, maybe we bring him in as a vet and and I'm I would be all for it. I don't know who that person is going to be, but somebody's going to get cut that we're not expecting, and the Eagles should make a call and and bring him in to be that veteran presence because we have a very very young wide receiver room 22 year old Devontae Smith 22 year old Jalen Rager or 20 or Quez Watkins 23 year old uh Jalen Rager your, your three starters are really young bring in somebody with some NFL experience you know of more than two years and, and let let them be the leader of that receiver room 
who could also come in and be your fourth receiver. But if something were to happen to one of those top three, can play and be productive on the field. I don't think that's um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I completely agree. I just definitely don't keep six with the intent of getting a veteran. Keep five and then cut, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside at the end of the day. Because if this person is is obviously going to be superior to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, then it makes sense to just keep the five. Why would you keep the six wide receivers on a, in a position that you don't even target that much and that you clearly don't put a ton of value in beyond probably J.J. or Jalen Rager and Devonta Smith? That's going to be the main focus. Quez Watkins can hopefully do a lot with a little like he has been doing. Um, but, I mean, there have been – I've seen some articles out there and some some reports from sources saying that, you know, they want to roll with the young wide receiving core. They don't plan on bringing a veteran wide receiver. And so I think it would have to be a major, major shock release. And I don't necessarily believe Philly would have the money to get that release player in to Philadelphia, because I don't think, I think that this person, obviously they'd be dropped or they'd be cut and they would know that they will bring value somewhere else or that they're just going to be like, screw it, I'm going for a Super Bowl. And you look around and you know, you got your five or six teams that you're like, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think they have the best chance at the Super Bowl. And that's just kind of how I think about it. I think that, you know, Sirianni wants to work with what he's got and figure out, you know, I think they're very confident in Reger, Smith, and Watkins as a one, two, three punch. And then after that, it's just like, just fill-ins. Guys who are going to go out on the field out for, t- you know, 20 to 30% of snaps. And if they make a catch good, just don't, you know, don't screw up. Just for the 15 snaps a game you get, do what you're supposed to do. Try and get open, block somebody, do whatever you got to do. But I think that, you know, the Nick Sirianni regime has a different mentality than that of the Doug Peterson regime and then that of Howie Roseman in general. I think that they've witnessed what Philadelphia's tried to do in keeping a lot of these older guys around and in trying to make these quote unquote Eagles for life guys and constantly investing and spending in these guys who are doing almost nothing, who are not putting their money's worth into the team. And I think that they want to give these young guys a chance to see what they have, what their needs are, and to build from there. And that's why I don't know if even that surprise release would be enough for Philadelphia to jump because I think somebody else would jump on it who has more money than we do. <coughs> we'll see. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, and, and that's what the exciting part about building the roster and making these moves is, you know, come Tuesday, 4 PM when the 53 man rosters are set. And then we start seeing those waiver wire moves and whatnot. You know, we won't know what the Eagles Final 53-man roster is until probably the, the week of the Atlanta game. Like, mm-hmm. So we're like 10 days away from it. We're two weeks away from the season opener. We're 10 days away from seeing what the, the final 53-man – well, it won't be the final 53-man, but the 53-man roster going into the Atlanta game, what that's <coughs> – excuse me, what that's going to look like. Um, I do have a question before we move on from yeah, roster, though. Um, do you think there's someone, a surprise name that makes it this year? Or do you think it's pretty, you, do you think you have a pretty, you know, chalk 53-man <laughs> roster written out with no real surprises? Um, I think, I don't, and he was a seventh round pick. So 
So I don't know if it's a surprise, but I think Patrick Johnson makes the team and plays significant defensive snaps at the Sam linebacker position. I really do. I think mm. Patrick Johnson is probably is going to be on the field for in Jonathan Gannon's defense. So again, I don't know how big of a surprise it is because he was a draft pick, but you know, I, I think that he he's going to make the team, and I think that if if he does make the roster, he's going to play. Um, he's going to probably not right away, but he will play significant minutes um, in in the linebacker room or on on the field at the linebacker position. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens with the safety position because you had some safeties kind of stand out, you know, and Rodney McLeod still on the pup list, hasn't really been able to play a whole lot. Are you going to keep Andrew Adams, who's really more of a, just a special teams ace, or are you going to look to keep a guy like Elijah Riley, who had a really good camp, who had a really good preseason, and try and see what you got in this young hybrid guy who can kind of do a bit, of, who can move into the box if you need him. He can kind of play out and be, you no single high, two-man high sets. I mean, he's kind of that guy that you can move around the formation, um, although I know that they have a few guys like that, like Jacoby Stevens, and I know that they kind of value the ability to be able to move some of these people, but um, the idea that, you know, Rodney McLeod is a free agent next season as well. Anthony Harris is going to be a free agent again. What's Kevon Wallace going to be? Andrew Adams, special team ace, going to be a free agent again at the end of this year. Do you keep Adams do you move over there and Elijah Riley like kind of what do you do there one of the positions I'm most intrigued by is definitely safety hey I got a question for you it just came across Twitter um the Colts lost their starting left tackle on Sam TV yesterday to an ACL injury the Eagles like Laverne Clark he's played both left and right tackle played guard Andre Dillard they played him a lot against the Jets potential move there to trade him to the Colts I think they, I think if the right, I mean, Howie's got to be reasonable. Howie wanted a lot of the Zacherts, and that just wasn't reasonable. Now, Howie mm -hmm. has to, you know, you're not getting a one. You're not getting a two mm -hmm. for Dillard. You probably aren't even getting a three. But if you can get a player that works for your team in a pick or just, you know, a day early day three pick for Andre Dillard, I would 100% jump all over that because Andre Dillard had a really bad week against the Jets from what from a lot of the reports he was just getting bull rushed and mowed over by the edges and I mean it's clear my lot as a starter he didn't even touch a field this past uh, mm -hmm. preseason game that which is a sign you know he's definitely a starter so this battle is over heavier depth there but is it worth keeping Dillard if there's teams who are suffering you know these left tackle injuries or who are looking for depth that don't have the depth that we have because you know I think we do have the depth there. We have like Raven Clark, like you said. We have Kayuda Wusika that's there. We have Landon Dickerson. We have some <laughs> movable pieces that can play multiple positions, and we don't necessarily need to have Andre Dillard there if the price is right and somebody's willing to come. Like I said, early day three pick. If you can get a fourth out of them, if you can get a fifth out of them, maybe even try and get a player who you might be able to plug in somewheres then I'd be more than happy, 100%, pull the trigger on an Andre Diller deal. He's just not looking right. He's just not looking the form. And at this point, is there really, can we realistically say he's ever going to usurp Jordan Mailata for that number one left tackle position? I really don't think so. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, this is another, these injuries, man, happen in, happen in really 
are happening all over the league right now. And and again, there were a lot of people that were saying the Eagles should play. J-. And again, I might have been. I I I did say I wanted to see Jalen Hurts play more than um, ten snaps this preseason. But when you see J.K. Dobbins go down with the ACL injury, uh, Sam TV go down with an ACL injury. You know, there was a, there was a couple of major injuries across the league of you know during this last week of preseason games. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, the Eagles are relatively healthy going into to week one. Obviously, knock on wood, there's still two weeks until this pre until the regular season starts and anything can happen. You can get hurt walking out out of the locker room. But um, you know, the Eagles, as of right now, health a healthy team. And now we get to see them put it all together. The one thing that I didn't like seeing over the preseason is the lack of depth along the defensive line. Like, while we know that Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves, Brandon Graham, Derek Burnett, Josh Sweat, and, you know, um, Ryan Kerrigan, there's your five that are definites. And Milton Williams, I guess, would be a six. But, like, they got pushed off the, the, the Eagles' second and third string, third string primarily, you know, they got pushed off the ball a lot and easily against teams that wanted to run the football against the, the Eagles in preseason. And that, that that's worrisome. If, if anything were to happen to any of those starters, I would be worried. I, I, you know, if, if something happened to Javon Hargrave, if something happened to Brandon Graham and, and we needed to, to call up somebody from the practice squad, whether it, it's a, you know, T.Y. McGill looked good, but still they were getting gashed a lot, especially versus the Jets. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. There is reason to be concerned about some of the depth. Um, so hopefully, you know, players stay healthy for a season, which we seem to have a lot of issues with. Mm-hmm. But that's all we can hope for, honestly, is players stay healthy and, you know, that we keep an eye on certain positions and address them as they need to be addressed. But this is a year, like we've been saying, that's going to be a lot to do with seeing what we got, seeing where the needs are. And then hopefully investing through the draft and moving on from some of our more senior players who we just can't afford to keep around anymore. Yeah. Um, and the biggest question that needs to be answered is Jalen Hurts the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if there is no other question answered this year, that's the, only, that's the one that needs to be answered. Because as I have said time and time again, if Jalen Hurts can prove to be a franchise-type quarterback, you don't have to, to spend draft capital on a franchise quarterback or drafting another quarterback in the first round, you can build around him, whether it's with secondary help, whether it's with uh lineman, offensive, defensive lineman, you'll be able to do that. <clears throat> um, instead of drafting a Spencer Rattler, Sam Howard, trading for a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson type. Um, and so that's going to be the key thing for the Eagles is Jalen hurts the guy. Um, and you know, there was a lot, of, and I meant to mention this when we were talking about the Gardner Minshew trade. You know, people were saying that by making this trade, the Eagles aren't showing that they have faith in Hurts, and I disagree with that. And Hurts isn't the type of guy that's going to sit there and kowtow and take his ball and walk home because of some competition. What he went through at Alabama, what he went through in college, you know, he's been through it all, and he's the type of guy that's going to rise above it, and he's going to battle. And if he doesn't win, he doesn't win, and he'll support the guy that wins. Yeah, he did transfer in his last year um, out of Alabama to Oklahoma, but in those two years when, or the year or two with Tua, you know, he supported Tua to the fullest, and that's the type of guy he is. <coughs> Excuse me. If he is, you know, if he struggles and the Eagles need to put in a Gardner Minshew or Joe Flacco, 
he's going to be there supporting Garner Mitchell or Joe Flacco. So I have no issues with um, the mentality that Jalen Hurts is going to have going in into the season. We know he's the starter at least week one. I think he'll be the starter throughout the entire season. But if something were to go down where he just wasn't playing to, to the ability that we expect him to play to, he's going to be there supporting the guy that's going to be starting after him. 100%. No, I love it. I, I do agree with you. That's the number one question to be answered. Figure out if he's a guy. If he's not the guy, you know that we are likely going to have a high first round pick. Because if he's not the guy, we're losing a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. He's, if he's a guy, you're winning football games. You're exceeding expectations. And like I said, my expectations are really not that high in that 17 game season. I think eight and nine and seven and 10 is about right the ballpark we land in. If we exceed that, if we end up getting above 500 to nine and eight or better, I think we, this whole, a lot of people Shoot. think it's not a, it's not, it's a rebuild, not, you know, a retooling. Well, if we get above 500, I think it is a retooling and we are ahead of schedule. Well, I think winning seven games is above expectations because I think the over under for the Eagles is what, five or six this year? So, boy, yeah, winning, exactly. So, seven would definitely be above expectations. Yeah, so and I've seen people giving us two wins and three wins. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I made this the last time we recorded, you know, Jalen Hurst could play very well and the Eagles could not win games because everything else around him just isn't doing well. So that'll be the interesting thing um, to, to, to watch just the way things play out. Um, you know, Jalen Hurst, again, Jalen Hurst can have a, a really good, se- I won't use great, can have a really good season, but receivers are dropping balls. The offensive line, there's a lot of injuries to the offensive line. Um, the defense can't stop anybody. And it wouldn't be Jalen Hurts' fault. And that could be the thing. And then you could use those assets. Look, we, we found out that Jalen Hurts can really play in the NFL. We just have to spend money on the defensive side of the football, spend uh, draft picks on the defensive side of the football, on the offensive line. And <clears throat> excuse me. And now we, we have a better, more talented team that is able, that, that's going to come together and able to win games in 2022. Definitely. I, I can't wait. I, I really can't wait because, you know, I'm actually excited for this season. You know, whether what no matter what we win, it's going to dictate the future direction of this team majorly, how this season goes. Yep. Yep. It's not the same old Doug Peterson vanilla playbook. Like we don't know mm-hmm. that we don't know. And it's not <clears throat> excuse me. It's not, you know, the stubbornness of Jim Schwartz. Jonathan Gannon is a really highly talented defensive guy. Um, so hopefully we, he didn't show anything. At least it seemed like he didn't show anything this preseason. And obviously we don't know what happened in the joint practices, but in the, in the preseason games, everything seemed to be base, you know, base type of defense. They didn't bliss much, if at all. So no, definitely see. not. That was just your base four three defense mm-hmm. and on offense, it was just your basic a fair amount of 12 personnel, but it was really just your basic either 12 personnel or three wide receiver set and nothing really giving anything away, which makes makes me even more excited because yeah. it'll be fun. And like, I know that we always get excited and then it's like you see one game and it feels like they just come out with this completely different mentality, like huge rush of a game. And then it dies off. I want to see that stick, you know, when Jalen Hurts first yeah. came in that first game. The hype was there. He won the game. He ran over. He was great. And then it kind of slowly died down as the games continued on. I want to see a constant 17-game flow 
of this new culture, this new team, this new playbook, this new everything. Agreed. 100%. And, you know, we haven't seen Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith on the field together. Uh, We haven't seen the full comp, the full offense on the field together. So I'm looking forward to seeing these formations where Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, um, Dallas Goddard, like Zach, like just seeing all these different combinations with look, the start for starters, you know, they're really talented players that the Eagles have. We just have to see them come together under this very new, this new coaching staff, this very young coaching staff and see if that they're able to gel quicker than people think that they're going to be able to gel. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. So, excuse me. Uh, Two weeks away. um, We will record next, probably next week. We will record because we want to do our prediction show. We want to talk about what the 53 man roster looks like. Um, We want to do our, we'll do our division by division um, winners, our playoff teams, our Super Bowl teams, excuse me, and um, get you set for week one between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. You can follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. And also, excuse me, our partners over at Sports Talk Philly. They're at Sports Talk PHL. And Connor puts um, writes for them and does a lot of great content. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, as especially fantasy football for you fantasy football nerds out there. And again, I'm one of them. I have actually have a draft today, so I'm excited looking to become a win my second championship in a row and my third championship in four years would be awesome. Um, so Connor, any final words before we, uh, get out of here and get set for the 2021 regular season? No, definitely not. Uh, so far, I mean, it'll be exciting to see how things unfold this week with the cuts and with the movement of bodies and who makes of who's going to the practice squad, pup list people, all that fun stuff. But otherwise, good luck in your draft. Thank you. And don't be surprised if I'm messaging you for some help, uh, especially in the later rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.